Let's pray together, please. I pray that as a sermon is offered, that a sermon will be heard, and that amidst the many words, there will be a word, a sacred word, that comes not from the mouth of a preacher, but comes from the mouth of you, O God. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. In the name of Jesus, word made flesh, we pray. Amen. So rank these in order from bad to worst to worst. The student or the person in your office who asks a complex question just as the class or the meeting is about to end and everyone is ready to go. That's option one. Or the person who asks a question as a way to show how smart and well-researched and well-read the questioner is. That's number two. Or number three, the question which ignores completely the current conversation and hijacks the conversation and changes direction by asking a completely different question. Those are all annoying to me, but this last one is what we have in today's reading. Jesus is talking honestly and candidly, speaking about truth to power, that nothing's hidden, that won't be revealed, when all of a sudden, sort of out of the blue, a man asks Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. I can just hear the disciples, Oy vey, where'd this guy come from? Maybe the man had a legitimate complaint. We don't know. We don't know all the details. We hear one side of the story. What we know is he wants an answer. He wants resolution. And it seems he wants to win. He wants a share of the family inheritance. And he sees Jesus as a kind of tiebreaker, a judge. But like the skilled teacher that Jesus is, he uses this interruption and creates what they call a teachable moment. That's what God does. That's what the Holy One does. He takes our crises, our anxieties, our questions, sometimes even the questions that we use to divert attention from the real question and brings us back to the deeper questions of life. Who are you? What's important to you? And is how you're living your life aligned with the sacred flow of God? Jesus says to the man, you've asked the wrong question. I've come to set priorities anew. I've come to reveal this way of transcendent love to a world that can replace this world of winning and hoarding and claiming and keeping. But since you brought the conversation up, since the conversation's taken this turn, let me issue this warning, Jesus says, about a real danger. A danger that can infiltrate our lives, perhaps when we least expect it. Here it is. Take care, says Jesus. Beware, be on guard, stand watch against all kinds of greed. Greed. For life does not consist of the abundance of one's possessions. I wonder how you hear that this morning. Some on this 4th of July weekend may hear this as a kind of uh, uh, tyranny. Uh, It kind of flies in the face of our, 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 our capitalist system. Or others may hear it as a kind of uh, puritanical old crank. You know, don't take too much. Always be modest. 
But I wonder if this 4th of July weekend, we could hear this as a loving and wise invitation to a kind of freedom that can truly set people free. And that is freedom from the slavery of greed. Greed is about the need to always have more. It comes out of a theology of scarcity, which is always afraid that there's not enough, so I have to get what's mine. Jesus says there's all kinds of greed. Usually we think of money, your possessions. But some people are greedy about attention or popularity or security or knowledge. Some people have an insatiable need to know more and more, not just out of curiosity, but as a kind of acquisition. Some people have an insatiable need for experiences. They've got to have everything, see everything, go everywhere. And Jesus knows that all kinds of greed are a kind of trap. Because with greed, there's never, ever enough. With greed, you're never satisfied. You're a slave to your desires. You've known people who've made all kinds of money, but they always want more and often find devious sort of subtle ways to take what's not theirs and make it their own. Greed. The quote on the cover of the Order of Worship has been attributed to both Buddhists and Romans. It says, money's like seawater. The more you drink the thirstier you get. It's a trap. It's a form of slavery. And so Jesus invites us to think anew with this parable. He says, a rich man's land produced abundantly. Let me stop right there and say, yes, the rich man probably had a role in this abundance. Maybe he inherited the land. Maybe he purchased the land. Maybe he hired the workers. Maybe he got out in the field and worked himself. But the way the parable begins reminds us that he wasn't alone. Note the words, the land produced the abundance. The land produced the abundance. If we miss this crucial point, It takes us in an entirely different direction. If it's all about him, then maybe he's free to do what he wants. But it's about the land. And we realize how he missed this crucial point. Because, Jesus said, he's thinking to himself. He's not in conversation with anyone else. He's thinking to himself. And you can create all kinds of illusions if you only talk to yourself or those who will echo what you want to hear. So notice his language. What should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods. There's no other player in this story. It's just I and me and mine, as if he were singularly responsible for this abundance. And therefore, he is free to hoard it all, keep it all for himself. Therefore, he doesn't need to worry about the land that produced it or the people who might need it. But that night, he hears the words from God. From God. You fool. 
Do you not know that tonight your very life is required of you? And these things you've accrued, all these things you've hoarded, whose will they be then? Why is he a fool? It's not necessarily foolish to tear down a small barn and build a bigger barn. It sort of depends on why you're doing it. What's your purpose? If the barn benefits everyone... If the barn stores the grain and disperses it equitably and in a a wise way, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But if the newborn is about greedy purposes, more for me and my security, I'm the only factor, then, then you fool. Man, you miss the opportunity. You miss the opportunity to be really free and to... Catch the sacred flow of life of God that's always about generosity and abundance. You, you, missed, you missed the moment, dude. You asked the wrong question. Remember the question that started this whole parable? Tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me? That's the wrong question. The question you should ask is, is all that you've been given by the Lord of the lands, yours to keep? How can I be generous with God's generosity to me? Susie Painter is the head of our Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. A couple years ago, I heard her tell the story of a, a young woman she knew who was originally from the Philippines. Her father was a mountain tribal chief. But she had come to the United States to uh, be educated, to go to school, but she went back to the Philippines for her wedding to her little village. In this village, the purpose of a wedding was to show the wealth of the family from which the bride came as a way to enrich the marriage. And one of the traditional signs that they used to show off this wealth, as odd as it might seem to us, is that they burned a pig every hour for a week, every hour for a week. If you do the math, I think it's 164 pigs. The problem was that the father, just as the daughter, who's this mountain tribal chief, had become a Christian. And the elders and other leaders of the, of the tribe were nervous now that he'd been converted. Was he going to change their customs and no longer burn the pigs in this ritual way? But here's what he decided to do. He decided... He wouldn't burn the pigs just to show wealth, but rather he would cook the pigs. And he would send the elders of his tribe out to neighboring villages with barbecue. And all of the villages around were shocked to receive this abundance from the mountain tribal chief. In fact, normally just a village attends a wedding, but at this young woman's wedding, All the other tribes from the neighboring villages attended, and they brought gifts of leaves and dates and fruits and grains. And Susie said that in the picture of the bride and groom, you could barely see them because they were surrounded by piles of this fruit and dates and grains. What does God want us to do with our abundance? God wants us to reframe it. To share it, whether it's our wealth, our money, 
or our time or our love or our attention or our peace. We don't do it to show off. And we don't do it so that God will love us. We are generous because God is generous. It makes an enormous difference. In fact, I would say it makes all the difference. What kind of God you worship? Do you worship a God of abundance or a God of scarcity? A man who had two sons died and left equal shares of his inheritance to his sons. Now these brothers lived on a neighboring hillsides with a valley in between them. One brother was married young and had a number of children. The, the other brother, though, was, was single and lived by himself. The night after the family inheritance had been divided, the single brother said, Oh, our father was generous and kind, but he made a mistake in giving me half of his inheritance, for my brother has many mouths to feed and is going to need this money. Meanwhile, the brother on the other hill was thinking, here I am with a family to love me and take care of me when I'm old, but my single brother has no security. So each resolved to put their inheritance in a suitcase and sneak at night over to their brother's house and secretly hide the suitcase where the other brother will find it. You can almost see this story coming. Because under the light of the full moon, the brothers ran into each other in the valley and realized what the other one was doing and fell into each other's arms in greater love for each other, just as the father would have wished. What are you going to do with who you are? And what you have. What freedom there would be for all of us. If we could be liberated from greed. Lord let it be. In Jesus name. Amen. This morning we are invited to the table of a generous God. Revealed in Jesus who gives himself in love. To redeem and rescue us from our greed, and to raise us to new life again. All are invited who are hungry for God. Come and take and receive and be changed by the mystery of love given and love shared. Let's now prepare to come to this table as we stand and turn to friends and strangers around us and be generous with our peace giving. May the peace of Christ be with you all and also with you.